Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. is episode 234 of The Sausage Factory. In this episode, I talk to Andrew Lind of Junction Media about their multiplayer JRPG combat title, Varia Versus. But before we delve into that, let's hear what else is under Kane and Rince's umbrella. On Monday, of course, we have Kane and Rince itself, and this week it's focusing on Fury, an action-adventure game which we actually interviewed the developers for some time ago. So I'm very happy to see that it's being featured in Kane and Rinse. Then we have Sound of Play on Wednesday, where we celebrate the scores, musical scores, of video games. And on Thursday we have Playwright, where two people called Ryan invent games based on the ideas sent to them by their listeners. Now if you want to know more about Kane and Rinse, you can pop along to kaneandrinse.com, where you can read blogs, features, previews, reviews... And an active forum, of all things. We also have a Twitch stream. On Thursdays at 9pm British Summertime, I and Darren Gargett and Carl Moon and sometimes Tony Atkins go sailing across the mythical Caribbean care of Sea of Thieves on the hunt for content. We don't normally find any. And on Sundays, I have a very, <laughs> a variety show. We're actually to stream random games. I might actually stream Fury that this week. Might be quite fun because it's a good game, and uh, but it's really tough, but thoroughly entertaining. And I really got into it when when I was uh, uh, interviewing a developer all those uh, moons ago. You can find the Twitch stream under Kane Mince. Just look up Kane Mince, go to Twitch, and you can follow us. It'd be awesome. Now, if you want to throw us some money, you can. We'd love to receive some of your cash in, in, by way of recognition for the output we produce, or the content, I should say, we create. If you go to patreon.com and look up Kane Rinse, you can find a one-tier subscription. That's one dollar a month, one US dollar a month. And if you give us that minimum charge, we, you gain access to all sorts of additional content. You have one week early access to Kane Rinse, which was also extended editions, so they go beyond the two-hour limit that the public version comes out as. 
You also have access to the monthly exclusive podcast that's available only to Patreons, and that's hosted by Jay and Leon, the founders of Cana Rinse. And then, of course, there's the platform specials that we've been doing. There's been PlayStation, uh, Game Boy, and uh, the original Xbox. Now, the original Xbox episode hasn't been released to the public at all, so in order to listen to that, you're going to have to uh, subscribe to the service. I think it's on the brink of becoming a public, but I do know that we, we're about to record a brand new platform exclusive, and uh, I don't think I can quite reveal what that is yet, but it's an awesome platform, one of my favourites, Have uh, and I will be on that show, so yeah, check that out, when if you can, but only, only if you subscribe to Patreon. Now, if you don't like Patreon, I, I get that, you can chuck us a tip or two via PayPal. Anyway, that's enough of that. Let's listen to past me chat about adversarial combat in a JRPG environment. Take it away, Chris. Andrew, who are you and what do you do? Hey, I'm Andrew from Juncture Media and uh, I am making video games. You are making video games. And when did you start making video games, sir? Well, the easy answer is um, about six years ago um, when I decided to uh, begin the exploration for the Avaria project, which is uh, currently what I'm working on. Okay. And that's really the, 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 the kickoff, really, with what we're here to talk about. is. And what's your role? Uh, as Is it your, your producer, director? What, what's... What's going on over at Junction Media for use for yourself? You may, I suspect, you're wearing many, many hats. Yeah, exactly. We're we're a small team, so everybody is pulling a lot of weight um, in a lot of different directions. But um, I, you know, am the sort of the the leader, so founder, director, producer, um, and you know, co game designer, if not game designer, most of the time. Okay, and this is this is your first. You've always said this is your debut title, so to speak. Exactly. Yep. This is me starting uh, a new in a new industry um, from square one. And um, so you, you you obviously worked in another industry prior to this, then. Yeah, I I was in the music industry pretty much my entire life. I mean, I started playing instruments when I was maybe four or five years old and was in bands um, in my early teens. Um, and uh, I went to music college. I have a music degree. And the last thing I was doing was running an indie record label in Brooklyn, New York, um, before I left that to focus more energy on these uh, video game projects. Wow. And had you actually dabbled in video game creation prior to then, or is it something you've always been like a consumer of before you decided, let's make some stuff? Total consumer before that, just just 100% consumer. Um, and and I guess, you know, being a producer in, in of sorts in the music industry, um, I guess I was foolish enough to think that maybe I could do it myself. <laughs> No, I mean it's not far from it. It's, there's a lot of similarities between the two mediums, of course, or music, and although video games encompasses many, many other mediums, I've always marvelled that you hear about musicians spending years on an album and like, but you know, you're just making music. These guys are making yeah. these. <laughs> well, and I mean, I I did it both. So yeah. I mean, I've been I've been in the studio for months, and 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 you know, like listening to the same two guitar notes getting filtered a thousand different ways and 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 eventually just choosing one right so i've yeah. done it both but yeah. 
I mean, and even some film projects, and and those are the three mediums that I guess I have the most experience with. And and man, video games is it's definitely on another level. It you know? is. It encompasses storytelling as well, as we forget. It also encompasses um, uh, visual arts, of course, animation. Uh, it's, and, everything. It's, it's everything. It's everything. It's really everything. Add tech on top of it, and yeah, and, and interaction. And, yeah, and interaction. I mean, yeah. yeah, exactly. It's interactive. You know, I mean, like, <laughs> just just add that one element to to music and film, and you're already added a level of complexity that's almost immeasurable. Yeah, fantastic. So, uh, well, I'm going to ask this next question, and it's always difficult for developers to answer. And I want to ask it either from a personal point of view, or as Junction Media as as a thing, as an entity, because you are creating things. And I just want to ask you. What do you believe are your biggest influences as a creative force? Um, that's a good question. Um, I mean, within the industry, I definitely have games that heavily influenced me, you know, in my formative years. Um, I've actually listed those games on the Juncture Media website because I feel like they specifically had a very strong impact on me. Mm-hmm. Um then, but then outside of that, you know, I still have a lot of uh, music influences, and and I mean, there's plenty of times that I'm brainstorming or working uh, either on a creative process or even a technical process, and there's music playing in the background. So I would I would say there's a lot of music that's inspired a lot of ideas for me as well, um, and so I'd, I'd say between between certain titles in, in games specifically and, and a lot of different musical artists, I think those are probably my two biggest uh, inspirations. Good answer. Yeah. Um, we have a variety of answers to that one. It's, it can be anything from a particular author or a series of texts or, like you say, other games and other developers and stuff. But Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one to answer, and I'm glad you gave it some thought and pause. Like, oh, I probably never considered it, but it's good to yeah. do so. And I mean, I mean, I, I could, I, I would love to talk about, you know, influences. I mean, I could talk about an entire, an entire uh, episode of, of just influences and, and the specifics from them that have um, resonated in very uh, black and white ways and also in very sort of uh, esoteric, but, uh, you know, almost spiritual ways um, that certain things have, have influenced. And, and, you know, another one to me, and I don't know, you, I don't know if this is even a valid answer, but I mean, I would just say. And this is probably going to sound so cheesy, but just nature in general, you know, uh, you know, I love, I love, you know, smelling fresh air and, and being outside. And I think that's a really important aspect to, um, to creation and even just being a diligent, uh, worker as well. Yeah. The universe itself is fantastic for inspiration, but no, and there's not me being, being glib either. Um, it's yeah. just the, 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 the contents of the universe and what it, what we can see and what it can do. And what we witness it and what we measure from it is is phenomenal. And, it's all uh, there, yeah. It's all there. We can just re- remix it a little bit and yeah. almost create just about anything. Indeed. And that's what video games are very, very good at, is creating almost anything, which is what blows lots of people's minds when they do. When they do yeah. it right, that is. So my next question, then, is this one is difficult to answer because you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. It's not because it's offensive. It's because, well, you'll, you'll understand why when I say it. What developer do you most admire in the industry and why? My favorite has always been Hideo Kojima. Um, and I think it's a, it's a multifaceted reason, but I, I love the fourth wall 
mechanics he's been experimenting with for uh, many years. Um, and his ability to create hype is also kind of legendary. Um, and those, those two things I think are extremely important in our industry. And, and I also feel like, uh, the third thing that is that he, he typically delivers on his promises. He makes extremely vague promises, which also leads back to point number two about, you know, <laughs> generating hype. But, um, the things that, you know, you can expect are, are usually met with a level of quality. So all that being said to tie it to a current event, you know, Death Stranding is going to be a very extremely experiment, uh, 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 an extremely interesting experiment um, to see how it does in the wild. Um, mm. And that will be my only, my first and only, uh, you know, day one purchase of him since leaving Metal Gear. Metal Gear was one of my favorite series. Um, but so that'll be a day one purchase for me. But if I don't like it, he's not going to get another day one purchase from me, you know, until he regains the trust again. So I'm also not a blind follower of of anybody you know what i mean yeah that never goes well because you and i have probably experienced that we're like oh this game's by such and such developer or such and such and that sometimes it goes south you know and, oh of course uh, for a million and one reasons and yeah. and usually not not out of any kind of bad energy or negligence or whatever it's just that delivering on a lot of features and making it fun and cool is really hard I mean, okay, let's do this. It just suddenly came to me that you know, from the music industry, let's do that. How often would we said, I bought their last album, whoever they may be. Oh, yeah. And you, you just sort of like, shall I buy the next one? It's like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> let's just see what it's, you know. Exactly. See, what, see where they've gone. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it depends. I mean, everyone I think has their franchises, artists, and IPs that they will follow blindly to some extent, you know. And some, some, maybe even multiple mistakes can be made, uh, and and to to no, you know, effect on the consumer. But there's very, very, very few uh, brands that are that strong to somebody, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and and each person only has tolerance for a few of those in one lifetime. Do you know what I mean? Like, you might have one movie you know, series or one television show that you'll watch like five bad seasons of to, to hope that they redeem it or whatever. But everyone only has a few of those things. Yeah, yeah. It's fascinating. It really is. You know, and I think there's, there's recent examples like the whole Game of Thrones thing. It's not don't do much depth of that, but that was like, oh, that's really good. Oh, oh where, where's this going? Oh, God. You know, <laughs> it's just, it, it, yeah. it, 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 you know, it's it, for some reason there's this, the creative uh, endeavors, I know you are very close to it, but people underestimate the effort, the phenomenal effort people have to in, in uh, put in to actually maintain that special magic which people can't actually clasp onto or measure. Uh, yeah. You, you, you just can't, can you? Just to get it, I mean, just to get it into a form that is you know, quality enough to be distributed and for you to just consume in the first place, just to get it to that point is, is so difficult that, you know, having it be good on top of all of that is, is another measure of, you know, of a success. And the thing is it, the, the world we live in is everyone has an opinion now and whether you have never written an online review or in your entire life, um, you might decide to do it on one certain project and that project could be your project or the, the other producer's project or whatever. And people have so much power now um, voicing their opinions uh, that it's it's just a crazy world that we live in that just kind of magnifies that. Yeah. But going back to the original point and the fact that Hideo Kojima's got, you know, he's got form. 
Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I first encountered him. He's worked Metal Gear Solid back in, what, 20 years now, believe it or not, uh, 20, 21 years now, uh, when the first one came yep. out. But, of course, there were other games prior to that, which I then discovered after playing Metal Gear Solid. Uh, and, uh, I mean, his first one was Penguin Adventure, which, by the way, I highly recommend. It's pretty good. I, uh, I, want, I want to play it now. I, I, I've heard of it, but I've never, I never considered playing it, actually. No, I, I streamed it about, about a month ago. Not a month ago, six months ago. And uh, it's, it's got him written all over it, believe it or not. That's awesome. So, it's just, uh, i got to see that then. It's just amazing. But it's on the, a very, uh, it's on the MSX computer, which is really popular in Europe and Japan. I know you know this stuff. Um, it's lovely in North America. Finally, they realized, I say finally, but you realize that, Oh wait! People were using other stuff. Like yeah, we weren't using Nezis. Oh, I know. Yeah, I you know. know that. Like, I know you know that. But a like... lot of my friends have been building their their you know their retro um, yeah. <laughs> rigs where every you know everything's perfectly upscaled and yeah. and and all that kind of stuff now. And 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 it's like they're like, whoa! There's these other consoles I can plug into this thing. Like they're discovering them because they have this cool thing now. Yeah. But they're like, what else can I plug into it? And yeah. I think that's even driving some of the discovery here, which is kind of kind of funny. And it's just lovely when you know, Americans are kind of wait. You you got a Spectrum? Yeah, we've got five of them. Of course yeah. I have one. I'm British. Yeah, and we. Like, this is, <laughs> it's just mind blowing. Yeah. It's just like, well, you didn't have the no, we didn't. No, we had all these computers instead. We had the Amiga. What? Yeah, totally different world. Yeah, totally different world. But uh, no, good answer, my friend. It often comes up. I have to say, he does often come up. But he uh, does. Wow. Yeah. I mean, and and that's just like the easy. You know, that's the easy answer. There's more obscure ones for other specific things, but for for an undeniable for an undeniable answer to that question, that's really easy for me to go with him. Excellent. Okay. Well, I've got one more question for you in the first half. So well done. You made it. But. I uh, I have to ask this because it's a video game podcast, so kind of legally obliged to ask it as a, as the regular listeners know. What are you playing right now? Well, that's always a complex question. I was even talking about a little bit the, the, this on stream last night, but um, I think the game that I'm spending the most time on is uh, Magic: The Gathering Arena right now. Ooh, okay. um, I'm, I'm extremely happy to have the magic game in a digital format that I like. And, and I mean, I've just been able to play hundreds and hundreds of magic games now, which has like, if I think about all the games I've ever played in my entire life, right. In a paper format, I've done that now 10 X, you know what I mean? Like my, my experience in magic as a game has just been able to increase exponentially now that I can play matches at any time, anywhere, right? So that's really cool for me because it's a game that I always thought was very complex and I loved the, the everything about it, but it, the format being on strictly paper and you have to have friends that are into it too just always was very limiting. So now that that limit has been removed, I've been having a lot of fun. It's an um, extraordinary game. It's the, To say it's stood the test of time is a ridiculous understatement. Um, yes. Uh, but... Um, I find it fascinating that after all these years, Wizards have finally figured out how to deliver it online because they've done it. They've tried it multiple times, and they've all um, been bad. The yeah. the Moto, Mo, I hated Moto. I didn't like duels, and I always tried. Like I always gave them like a good yeah. try, and I just was yeah. like, nah, no, no, Something's thanks. Not quite there, but uh, some reason Arena is people is turning people's heads, going, "This, this is what we wanted." Well, it was actually really cool. At PAX East, we were exactly kitty corner from the massive Magic booth 
um, at at PAX East, literally Kitty Corner. We were in the Indie Mega booth on the corner yeah. facing them. So I got the opportunity to have very long conversations with the VP of marketing for, for Wizards. I met a lot of the senior marketing people over there and was picking their brain about their whole strategy of, of moving arena into esports, et cetera. And, and I mean, from my perspective, as a strictly as a consumer, I think they're making a ton of good choices. And I've been looking to them for some models, even for, you know, my project. I mean, obviously on an insanely smaller scale, but just, you know, some, some best practices, et cetera. Oh, there's definitely some crossover. You can't deny it. We'll delve into that in the second half of the show. Um, speaking to someone who does play a lot of tabletop games, I think you and I have spoken about this. I play a lot of cardboard games and pen and paper RPGs, as well as video games. I don't discriminate. The only only one type, Andrew, I do flinch at is miniatures. Can't, can't do it. Oh yeah, okay. Some, so you get listen. Yeah. Everybody's got to say no to some. It's like there's a line. I mean, someone pulls a tape measure out and going, "What, what are you doing? Are you measuring up for drapes or something?" Or are you? That's funny. What are you doing? You put it down. Put it down. Put it down. <laughs> don't point that thing at me. No, no, no. I don't care. Hold up. Are you playing little miniature soldiers? Are you? Is that what you're doing? Because that's what you're doing, isn't it? Uh, and so I, I, that's the line I draw. But other than that, I embrace all the things. And um, there's a lots to be learned, and there's lots to be there's there's both mediums or both game types learn a lot from each other, and they have been to the point where there's now digital versions of them. Yeah. Uh, and we've had guests on the, the show where they've made digital versions of card games. Deck builder is very popular. Uh, yeah. Said so the one on Ascension is amazing, uh, and uh, the the card version of that is ridiculous because there's about ten expansions and oh god. <laughs> Oh. Well, yeah, oh. but I mean, I mean, I've been, yeah, I've been having a ton of fun with Magic. I mean, uh, the, there's a few other that that I've been playing too. I mean, I'm also working on getting the platinum for uh, Metal Gear Solid Five. I've I've made a commitment to get the platinum oh. trophy before Death Stranding comes out. Okay. So. I'm going through those those tasks a, a little bit, uh, you know, during my gaming time, and then I'm also uh, finishing Celeste for the first time. Yes, and that's an amazing game that makes you feel awesome, isn't it? Yeah, that game's great. I'm playing that together with my wife, and then I'm also playing the Spyro um, uh, remaster with my wife as well. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna slowly 100 percent that uh that trilogy um you know like with no time goal in mind but we're just making sure we get everything as we go through it so that's the that's the full balanced diet but in terms of time spent it's it's arena nice and go back to spyro just how what have they done with it is it just a have they tweaked it made it a little bit more have they modified the the the, the jumping and the interface or is it just basically a well here's a, the here's the funny thing i mean yeah. we we also got the crash bandicoot um okay. re, remaster which seems like probably went under so like a similar process uh, from crash the the feel of it was um almost identical um, but every it looked like all the assets basically just got remade because right. yeah. there's you know it is a complete reskin but but like the exact you know challenge and feel that i uh, that i remembered you know so i think that's kind of what they did with spyro that's what it feels like the funny thing is neither me or my wife had ever played more than that one demo that was you know for the playstation 1 where you got to play like the first level of spyro so our whole you know like growing up on that game was just playing this one little demo level that we had had on the same like you know sampler disc yeah. and 
so now we're actually playing it for the first time in the remastered version. So uh, it'll be so my comparisons are not you know super accurate. An excellent 3D platformer. People don't really give it the credit it deserves. I, it, the game design is really well done. I mean, yeah. I just like just as a just as a game designer, I'm, you know, I'm just I'm just marveling at how buttoned it up it is, and like you know, just that polish yeah. in games is. I'm not going to say it's lost from the industry, but man, they really, really. You you know you can tell they really uh, took their time and and um, thought hard about every decision. You know, they did their best, but it was this dirty great sort of moustached Italian person looming over every 3D action, uh, the puzzle, the platformer. Of said, course, yes. Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, you're not me though, are you? Huh? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> like exactly, and and that and that, like you said, doesn't get like. I mean, I'll I'll have a full review once we've gone a little bit further. But so far, the the fun factor and the the design is is just uh, very well done. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's in the end of the first half. Thank you for that and sharing your experiences and uh, your joys of, of playing a little pink dragon. Or is it purple? He's purple with pink He's, accents, I think. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Purple with pink accents and little yellow horns. It's great. Yeah. And uh, but uh, now we're going to the second half where we delve deep into Avaria versus. So, first question is a Zerth question. It's not a question, it's a request. Please tell us, what is Avaria versus? Avaria versus is most easily understood as old school Final Fantasy, but PvP. So, if you could take some of those older Square Enix turn-based battle systems and turn that into a game where you actually fight against other humans instead of programmed PvE enemies, that's what we've tried to create. And successfully. 
And also, yeah. yeah, I think one of the things that we need to get across, and I haven't really mentioned it, I'm going to, want to do a bit of a, a pricey to this before we delve into the techie questions, is that visually, when I when when you spoke about this and I first met you, well, I saw you at the at the um, the panel about JRPGs and me mm-hmm. asking that weird question about CRPGs and all that. Yeah, exactly. And I thought, great, <laughs> yes. Got comedy, him. comedy material. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is what it turned into. Which is great. Uh, but the point was that you were very t- describing this thing, and I generally thought it was like, oh, so you've actually made a 16-bit JRPG because that's what my head was telling me. I didn't know that it was actually no. You've taken the core roots of the JRPG and then turned it into this exquisite, and I mean, it is a beautiful game with um, just so much. Um, lighting effects and animations and just it's a it's a sight to behold well thank and, you thank and just you. um it's interesting how you went that way because you could have gone the way i just described I and mean, it would have been fine um but um this is not really a technical question but um it's more of a why did you go over the presentation the way it is because like i said everyone it's a these are fully 3d rendered modern sort of contemporary graphics not we're not talking about a 16-bit sort of thing so why did you go that way well we we you know i mean i specifically looked at i mean let's quote unquote the competition right Mm. so what are jrpgs being made that are not made from major companies and when i looked at those games i saw a lot of pixel graphics I saw a lot of, you know, even well-done RPG maker games that I'm sure have, you know, extremely cool story and, and, and like, you know, satisfying battle mechanics, etc. But for me, I was just like, this still just looks like an old game. And, um, you know, the JRPG genre isn't necessarily the biggest genre in the world. So I knew that if we were going to have some, you know, any chance at crossing over to fans of other genres that i i believed the game needed to look modern so that was kind of the first you know um the reason for that and and two um our you know our lead developer um sam ang who who's a, a real unity wizard uh he was also his his skills are really in 3d and that and that kind of that polish that you were mentioning so you know if if the lead developer I had connected with would have ended up being somebody who was a wizard in 2D, who knows? Maybe this game could have gone that direction. But, you know, you've got to play your strengths and, and hide your weaknesses, and that's something that you have to become very familiar with when you're doing an indie product, you know? Yes, yes. And uh, uh, I just... Uh, some of the things... I mean, when I first started playing, exploring and experimenting, because I against bots to see what the greatest combinations and stuff like this... I just take great delight when uh, when you kick things off and you're just like, well, what is this? Oh, wow. It's not a summon, but it's pretty pretty close. Yeah, cool, yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's lovely because uh, um, one of the things, the reasons I, I I play games, I'm a big explorer. I'm not just explorer. Please don't, don't pigeonhole me, but I do like seeing worlds made by others. And you've got a little bit of that going on here. But yeah, it's the taste. It's yeah. a taste. And, and you know, I'm sure we're going to touch on this later. But, you know, the other reason that we were able to kind of go a little bit um, bigger into production um, was that, you know, we're trying to build more of an ecosystem beyond just this game. So, um, you know, these some of these uh, assets are going to be used in the future and future of Varia work. So there was also that 
value that we could create if we did it big and we did it once in the beginning, um, that we would have sort of these set pieces and these materials that we could work with maybe in different iterations. So that was also from a production standpoint, why I was interested in kind of going for full 3D, you know, high detailed sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah it, was a, it was a wise move. So, and it's very eye-catching. When I got to your booth, finally, actually, a couple of times, you probably don't know this, but actually, but uh, yeah, when we finally met, and it's like, oh, look, come, come on the show, which you've graciously agreed to, hence recording now. Yeah, uh, here we are. Yeah, it was uh, it was really well well presented. You had a great spot there as well. It's good. Oh yeah, we got yeah. we got lucky. I mean, did you come by when I was running my mouth on the megaphone? Yeah, or yeah, yeah, yeah okay, yeah, yeah it's hilarious. <laughs> I know that wasn't you. It was lovely to like you were presenting another like you you were doing what you know what you had to do to to drum up sort of interest, and you were getting it. Uh, but I know that wasn't real, Andrew. It's awesome. Yeah, well, that's. I mean, sometimes the line, sometimes the line gets blurred. You never know anymore. You know, it's like the artist persona versus the real one gets closer and closer the longer you, you know, stay on that other side. You do, yeah. It's like, do I want to be here? I don't know. It's kind of fun. Yeah. No shows are shows are crazy. I mean, oh, it's yeah. the most energy expenditure that I've ever really experienced in a short period of time. We've been showing Avaria versus for like three years, so we've done you know gdc a few times pax a few times um uh one of our favorite convention that's out on the east coast is called magfest we've done magfest a few times and there's nothing like you know the the travel the setup the intense hours on your feet the the networking and partying afterwards and you know i mean everyone who's been to a convention knows this but it it's also something that i was um you know i'm i'm happy to do it and i like doing it but it, it's extreme you know yeah so, first technical question is varia versus is at surface level. It appears to take one aspect of a genre, i.e. JRPGs, and turn it into an adversarial game. However, what aspects of this combat mechanic have you had to change in order for it to become a person versus person engagement, human versus human? What things have you had to tweak because humans being humans are far more devious than computers could ever be (laughs) um good question um i guess some of the main things uh you know i think there's a few answers but some of the some of the things that come to mind first are um the complexity of the uh status effects in the game um you know playing the single player jrpgs a lot of times they can have a, a complex set of status effects that have, you know, combinations, but they're always being cast on you from, from an enemy. Um, and, you know, you as a human are, can usually you have 50 too many of the thing that heals all the status ailments anyway. So you might as well start using, I mean, you don't even have to think about how to even get rid of them, right? They become kind of come mindless and autopilot eventually, but with a human behind there, being able to pick apart your strategy and maybe look at your heroes and start debuffing this one in a certain way or or you know just overwhelming you with a with a swell of of status effects it does become an interesting counterplay aspect that i think is part of the um larger depth of the game is is really in those uh, status effects yeah absolutely we're going to talk about those later cuz it's the the anchor around which uh, Vara Versus is built, in my opinion, you may disagree, but it certainly felt that. But um, just talking about, you know, I, 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 uh, everyone has their their holiday game, right? Their Christmas game. For me yep. this year, it was Dragon Quest Eleven. Uh huh. Right? And 
towards the end. Sorry, everyone, you probably heard this, but uh, towards the end, I min-max my characters to the point where I could actually walk away with a cup of tea and wait for like, are they still fighting? Oh, damn. And, it's and they like, would what? just take care of it? They yeah. would just take care of it? Yeah. yeah. I didn't have to interact with it at all. The final boss was the most anticlimactic thing ever. It's like, are you still fighting? God. <laughs> that well, was it, you know. Now you're gonna, now you're gonna bring. Now I mean, you almost, you're, we're gonna have to save this for another one when we talk about the, you know, Ghost of the Immortal, which is our our story mode. But, um, you know, I mean, grinding has a lot of uh, negative effects, and that's one of them. I mean, if yeah. you've got enough stuff, I mean, uh, I I remember plenty of Final Fantasy, you know, finales that were very anticlimactic for that reason. You know, yeah, because you just you saw the spreadsheet, right? You, you saw it, and like. Oh, I don't see any characters or people or names. I just see numbers. Yeah, <laughs> and that's you know that's why that's why that's one of the reasons I stopped playing WoW because all I could see was the numbers. Yeah, and you just yeah you just it yeah. became a it became a, a math problem. Yeah, yeah and it's like I I didn't play this for that. So great answer to that by the way. So, well, uh, so status effects are one thing, but I mean I will yeah. mention that there's a couple other things that we that we changed from the from the typical battle system or typical genre um that were not because of the reason that you asked for, but a couple things that we wanted to do away with were um you know, I wanted it, this this game to feel like you were kind of casting big spells all the time. Yeah. Um you know, like you know in a survival horror game you you get that really sweet gun and you've got like four bullets for it, you know, and, and you might never shoot them the entire game because you don't necessarily know who the last boss is. And, and you could go the whole game and never even shoot that gun. And I feel like there's so many abilities in JRPGs that feel like that, whether their resource cost is just extremely high, even if it's a renewable resource. Um, but, but as a player, as being conservative and, and really, you know, always running that, 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 that razor's edge of trying to be efficient in an RPG, you just never use these abilities. So I wanted resource to be something that was not something you have to worry about. Um, we, we eventually decided to do away with that after some playtesting. So, you know, you get one action per turn, and we don't care if it's a level three action, a level one action, an ultimate ability, an item, it doesn't matter. It's just an action. So these are powerful heroes they have these abilities. They can use them whenever they want. You know what I mean? You don't need to, like, use one less. That's something they can do. Yeah. So, you know, that's a change that I think we made that, like I said, wasn't really related to your original question. But, you know, I, I thought I'd highlight that, too. There's an adjunct to it, I think. There's related to it. Because I call what you described the BFG syndrome. Yep, exactly. Same thing. You use Doom. That's another perfect example. Yeah, it's like, well, I've got two shots with this thing. And, and you never use it. And I remember... <laughs> Being a, being a kid and being like, okay, I'm going to save my game. I'm going to quick save. Did I quick save? Okay, I'm going to quick save again. I'm going to shoot the BFGs. Everyone ready? I'm going to shoot it. Everybody huddle around. I'm going to press it once. You know, and like you do it once and it was like, oh, and you almost like felt worried that you wasted the ammo, you know, like, so yeah, that's totally the same thing. Yeah. And so what I now do is I make sure that when I get a inverted quotes BFG, whatever game I'm playing, I'm going to use this. The yeah. game is giving me this this thing. I'm going to use it. Probably... It took me 25 years, yeah, to like get to that point where it's like, you know what? Let's just let's consume some of these digital items. I mean, I want somebody, I want like an accountant to go through all these old games that I have and all these old save files and tell me like the value of my like gold and like rare items that are sitting here that I never used. Like someone needs to give me some some value for that stuff. Actually, taking up an inventory slot in an RPG, and you sat there going, "Oh, a super powerful crystal! I'm going to use it on a thing." 
no, no. <laughs> never, ever, 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 no. ever use it. Yeah. Because uh-huh. you're too scared. Because you never. Well, then why did the game give it to you then, you idiot? Yeah. Oh, but but you know what? There might be like a secret crafting thing that I'm going to get later, and I'll never be able to make that one sword if I didn't have this crystal. So I'm not going to use it as a damage item on one boss. That's just crazy. Yeah. Until you grow up and you realize that wait, it's just code. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so pretty yeah. pretty fun. Funny Next, phenomenon. So JRPG mechanics they predominate in in Avara versus, but after playing it for so long, and I have been, believe it or not. There are, I've found there are other genres that have made their presence felt. MMOs, definitely. MOBAs, you may not agree, but there is. It's there. It's there. No, there's a major MOBA component. Yeah. It's, it's there, and, yeah. and, I, and I can even tell you how it happened, too. And uh, beat-em-ups, I believe. I think, you know. Yeah, fighting um, games. Fighting yep. games. I mean, I've played card versions of fighting games. Yomi is a really fun one. Uh, but basically, it breaks down the whole concept of combat and slows it down to a pace where it reduces to a state of of, of turn-based interaction. So it can be done. Um, just that when you see really good people, really, sorry, skilled people at beat-em-ups, that's what they're doing. Yep. They are doing that. They're just doing it at a breakneck speed that you can't... They're actually counting animations and looking at the hitboxes because that's what they do. Well, they don't do it these days because they can't. But you know what I mean. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's just basically what they're doing. So I just want to tell me... I don't want to do, do, you know, dilute the experience that Avaria versus has. But what what can you tell me? You already delved. In, what? How have these other genres influenced the creation of Avaria versus? Obviously, a lot. But can you give us some well, examples? Yeah, I mean, you first of all, you nailed every single reference very accurately. Uh, the only one uh, that doesn't necessarily apply is. Um, is a uh, MMO because right. I actually have never played an MMO. <laughs> I that's just been something that I've been able to keep out of my life somehow for better for worse. But so I've never played an MMO, not to say other people on our team they definitely have. So that it may have snuck in through the back door. Yeah. But all the other ones you referenced were are exactly spot on um from, you know, I mean the original inspiration for like even the the character select menu for example was like old mortal kombat i was like i want you to turn it on and just see all these these heroes and be like whoa i'm gonna like craft a team like that's got to be like your first that's how you understand what kind of game it is right i'm gonna be battling against somebody else like if you see a screen like that it tells you a lot right away as a gamer you understand it's a versus game you understand that these heroes are probably going to not be you know super customizable they're like as they are and i'm going to use their skill set you know against somebody um and and just the just the whole um competitive aspect which may, i may have already mentioned so fighting games for sure um the jrpg stuff as you know um what the, one of the other refs you said was moba which i think yeah. is a, a yeah. very uh, astute observation and our leveling system is is exactly ripped out from MOBAs. You know, we did not want um, persistent leveling uh, in this game because unless, you know, there's, I mean, I could talk about that for hours too, but we wanted it to be like a, a chess a chess set that everybody has the same set. It doesn't matter, you know, you know, we wanted the playing field to always be equal. So when you get away, when you take away persistent 
leveling. You have to have some kind of leveling. I mean, this is a this is a numbers getting bigger sort of world that we all want to live in, right? Whether it's damage numbers or levels or you know skill slots, that's what makes us happy. So we took the mobile leveling system where you level inside of a battle and make upgrade decisions um, that go away at the end of that battle. Um, and that was heavily due to the fact that we were playing a lot of Paragon at the time when we were really doing a lot of this initial design. And, and that was actually the first MOBA that I cared about. I mean, I've played all the big ones, but none of them ever grabbed me uh, except for um, except for Paragon, which Fortnite killed, which is just another reason to hate that game. But, you know, um, yeah, yeah, but those two, I would say those are very those are very strong influences that are that might not necessarily be on the total surface of the game. Um, but I think I think there's a lot of people that enjoy those type of games that if they were to try our game, they might find uh, a lot of fun, um, you know, from it. Yeah, I, I, I think that's the real thing that um, it's the MOBA stuff. That really sort of got me is the fact that you're playing and then you're leveling up and go, oh wait, you can sort of change the skills and increase the skills, or, and you can go down a tree or not go down this tree or just or spread the love as I call it, like two. Yep, you know, two, yep. And that's they all have their pluses and minuses, and the, the trick about mobas is that they are initially overwhelming, and that's how they're designed because remember it was a really it was a it was a mod it came. From, of course, yeah. Came, I mean, you know. <laughs> Dating back to Dota, I mean, if you want to argue whoever invented it, but yeah, there were there were mods for sure. They were just mods, and therefore they didn't really follow the really, the the rules of uh, you know introducing gameplay mechanics to. And you know when people tried to do, and over the many many years and many many mobas that have risen and fallen, so many have fallen. Oh yeah, of course. And uh, and because you know the problem is that they're trying to foist this, quite frankly, to you know bolted on thing that someone made up and turn it into a, a more sort of a traditional product and like well, you can't there's no more meat behind it it's no. a mod so yeah, yeah exactly so like unless you're making a very meaty underbelly like a, yeah. like a, an original source the 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 mod itself isn't you know doesn't necessarily have legs to to stand on by itself i mean blizzard learned that the hard way they have yeah and the the, the key really what we've evolved versus is that it takes one aspect of it that's really easy to see and really easy to understand and gets rid of the mess. The mess being that freaking, forgive my... Learning all the items, yeah. I mean, yes. like, I just, like, like yes. me, when I, the first time, when they run you through the tutorial and they're like, okay, you're playing a new hero and you're playing a new class for the first time, and they just tell you, it's either your friend or, or somebody's telling you, just buy that thing and buy that thing. I'm like, why? Why? Well, because those are the best things for this guy right now. I'm like, well, how would I ever know that? Well, just do it because you'll learn that that's the best one. Okay. Yeah. And then your second one, now buy this and this. Well, why? Well, because you're probably going to, you know, I'm like, you know, that that whole process is, is a learning curve yeah. that I never felt interested to overcome. No. And then what was a week later? You go in, you dive into the match, and like, look, what are you buying that for? Like, yeah. <laughs> I did that last week. So, oh, no, that's that's Nerf now. They that's broke garbage that. garbage now. It's garbage. No one buys that anymore. Why don't you play this? Uh, and then they yell at you. And they, well, oh, you've, my God. You've, you've dumped all that. You said, look, you know, this is fairly odd. And your, your, your tool tips are brilliant because it just describes this is what it's going to do. Because you don't have a lot of time, really, to make your decision about, oh, hang on, I've got to make a... Like, you know, because you've got that timer ticking down in the middle of the screen, which is brilliant. And it's like, you know, don't waste the other player's time. Just get it done. Get it done. Yeah. So, you know, otherwise it'll be there for hours. 
It will be, yeah. you know, you know. And then uh, it's not. And then what's the competitive aspect about that? You know, like yeah. there needs to be an element of pressure there. Yeah. I mean, the chess. I mean, I, I mean, I took a lot from chess too. I mean, what genre is chess? Just like an amazing game. I don't know. It's its own genre. But you know, just chess. The fact, competitive chess. Um, uh, that timer just changes everything, and yeah. it turns it into a new game. And that's that's what's cool about once you make a system that that is relatively solid, you can add very, very, very tiny and simple external factors to it that change the feel of it in a big way, yeah. um, as in a timer, you know? Yeah, people have been trying to tweak the chess for hundreds of years, and you can't. <laughs> yeah, besides, but... like, you know, a couple of weird things like en yeah. passant and, like, other rules that had to be added as addendums, I mean, there yeah. isn't much. It was pretty much yeah. perfect to begin yeah, with. That's, that's what it was. So, yeah, fascinating. But it is ultimately one pattern versus another pattern. Yep. And you just have to get over that fact. But uh, I always struggle with that, if I may say. But it's like... Oh, just when you that? finally break it down to what it really is. Yeah, yeah. It's like... Uh. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the, that's, the, that's the tabletop guy in you. If, you, if, yeah. nobody would have, if nobody would have ever introduced you to tabletops and you were just a video gamer, you, you would have just been living in this fantasy world all along. You'd have been like, no, that elf is shooting an arrow. Look, there's the arrow. He's shooting it. That's what's doing the damage. Except it's not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> ignorance one, is bliss, you know. So I'm going to talk about the um, the effects over time. Uh, so, so one of the key aspects I've found with Avaya versus is the the um, how can I put it the, the the use of I was going to say exploitation, but okay, the, that's... the yeah that's not it exploitation of damage over time and heal over time. Um, the were they always present? Was it always there? Because you can do phenomenal combo actions, which I call when you play the long game. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, so it's important to note that, um, you know, since our game is fully turn-based, it's damage over turn or heal over turn, um, which we still call dots and hots because everybody knows what it means, but it actually yeah. only ticks um, upon action. It's actually not turn. Um, we tried to strike turn from all of the like there's nothing that really happens per turn no, uh, really. in the in the game we, we didn't want you to have to be counting turns that's something that we eliminated eliminated essentially from the system so it's per action but yes they were always there we we, we intended to have um hots and dots uh in there um during our first uh, tournament in may our launch tournament um they were definitely coming in a little hot um, and there was a there was another factor that was making them even um, more deadly, which uh, has been changed uh, was changed after the tournament. You know, we don't want to change anything in a, on a tournament cycle. We let you know, kind of besides bugs, uh, but any kind of things that people are discovering, like oh, this is pretty powerful right now. We we don't like nerf that before a, a, a competition. That's going to exist in that competition. And if we don't like what it did to the gameplay, we'll patch it right after you know but yeah um but hots and dots were coming in a little too hot uh, no pun intended um when uh in the first uh iteration the 1.0 of the game yeah i mean i found that when i played it a few times at pax east and people were like you know i see deliberately sort of like slacking off see if i could do just uh, what i call instant hits yeah like you know massive damage but yep. t- took a while to build up and but i just sort of like and it would be like the problem is that the other players would typically latch on to, um, if they could, 
um, heal over time effects or other uh, or, or abilities that would cause me damage over a period. So uh, the, the net, um, or oh, sorry, no, the, the, the gross uh, in, in damage impact or healing yeah. they do is far greater than what I'm doing with my large hits because although my large hits were quite devastating and interesting, they they didn't really. They could actually counter them with the, the over time stuff, which is all over, you know, over a period of, of, of during a match. But yeah. why did you unleash them early enough? Why did I unleash them early enough? The, the, no, the... I mean, that's provided you did. That. Oh, yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes, true. Yeah. If you get the you have to get the value of them, um, you know, yeah. over over a longer period of time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they 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 can they provide an interesting play point. Here's the thing out of all the status effects. They are the only one that directly impact the win condition, which is HP at the end of the day. Yes. So if you just, you know, every other status effect is going to indirectly help you win, whereas hots and dots directly help you win or lose. So yeah. I think that just puts them in their own category all right away, no matter what their current stacking strength is or et cetera. Like they're just already going to be slightly more effective than all of the other ones. So finally, and a um, bit of a two-part question, because I want to add a little bit to it, because we haven't mentioned them yet, but I think we should, because it would be unfair to the audience if we didn't. The first thing is that we've already mentioned the, the, the limited the, sort of timer in the middle of the screen, sort of dripping away as you're trying to execute your move. How did you determine how long that timer needed to be, uh, really? I mean, you should glibly say playtesting, but what did that really mean? And also, tell us a little bit about the little mini games you have to do. Sure, yeah. <laughs> so, there. Well, the, those two questions are actually um, they're related. Jo- to joined, joined at the hip. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the the timer was originally based. It's a, I think it's. I mean, it's gone through so many changes because things have changed. But I think it's like around twenty one seconds right now. Um, and I and that was based on how long it takes on average to. Do three ultimate abilities and three mini games in one turn, which would be like the maximum output anyone could possibly do. So we wanted that to be possible, but barely possible, if not impossible, in certain cases. If the mini game uh, selections you got were, you know, unfortunate or you're particularly slow at one of them, so just possible but not easy. Um, and that's how we got our that's how we got our our time. And and to segue into what are the mini games, um, you know, I. One of the favorite, you know, favorite things of old JRPGs were were the the you know the limit breaks or the overdrives or where you got this little mini game where you got to exercise your other video gaming skills inside of a JRPG, whether it be dexterity or pattern recognition or you know just pure input speed. You know these things actually mattered in a game that was mostly strategy, and I loved when the dexterity elements were added into the strategy side of things. So when we made our game, it was just, there's going to be, it was in from the original concept, um, you know, in the original battle system that there had to be mini games that would affect the potency of your ultimate abilities. It just um, draws you out from the experience, which is not a negative. It's just like, okay. It's a now- pacing thing, you know, it it's is, a pacing yeah. thing. And, 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 it, and also I like testing people as complete gamers, you know, yep. like, yep. If you're just a strategy guy and you um, have the intelligence and the time and the drive to sit home and really figure out a game, I'm sure 
nine times out of ten, no matter how smart of a game designer you are, there's somebody out there smarter who could break your game and find a strategy that's just better than anything else, right? And you're going to have to patch it or add an addendum to the rules. Like somebody out there could find something. But when you when you add in other things that test your discipline on a, on a multidisciplinary level, such as those other things that I mentioned, you're you're forcing people to be a little more well-rounded, and and I like I like those kind of aspects. Yeah, I just made me smile as well because they're funny. Everyone, they're just they're completely of the juxtaposed to it's quite serious combat. Yeah, they they can be dramatic. a little pol- they can be a little polarizing. I mean, yeah. I've had, I have heard a couple of people be like, "Oh, I don't like the mini games." Um, but I think anybody who's played old JRPGs knows knows exactly why they're there, and they're in yeah. a moment that you would expect, and during your during your big your ultimate ability, and so. Um, and, you know, I talk – I don't know if I mentioned this, but, you know, RNG has very little place in our game too, which was which is something that's usually, you know, the cornerstone of any RPG. Um, but it does exist in a couple places, and one of them is in selecting the minigame that you get. So it is random. You do not know what minigame you're going to get no. um, each time you cue your alt. So there's this moment of anticipation and some real-time um, – intensity that's added to a turn-based format yeah yeah nothing wrong with that it's perfectly fine so avaya versus by junction media is out now now the platforms will make sure i get this right because i've got it wrong once i've got very in trouble. <laughs> in trouble uh it's windows pc yeah and is mac and linux as well mac is available right now yes that's yes, right okay yep. so windows pc and mac uh, and that's, that's where we are at the moment. Uh, I couldn't possibly comment on other platforms, but it's on Windows PC and Mac. Yes, that's true. We, there you go. <laughs> uh, you got it. You nailed it. Yes. Because, <laughs> yeah, I did the silly thing once. Uh, <laughs> discussion for uh, after the show. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, we, we recovered. But, yeah, it was a thing. But, uh, Andrew, it's been really, really great having you on. Thanks so much. Yeah, no, thanks for chatting. It was awesome to meet you at PAX, and um, I'm glad we got to uh, come full circle with the with the show here. And yeah. um, we've got a couple events coming up in June if people want to, um, you know, play the game. So uh, we've got a, a open qualifier happening uh, on the 20th of June, and then we've got our um, June Invitational tournament with uh, with a 5K USD prize pool happening in the last weekend of june so even if you just want to tune in on twitch and see what it's all about those would be good times to to get into the game yeah watching this you know avara versus played by people who really know the character types and all the groups and making their custom i mean making a custom team is half the game uh it's so much fun and just seeing that i'm sure you have restrictions on what the custom team can do um but uh it's it's an eye-opener it really is yeah, um, uh, you you know when you're playing it, uh, what I found myself is sadly or predictably regressing into standard tropes. Like, oh yeah, this is what you do. They're, oh, that's the healer. That's that's the that's the um, you know uh, DPS. Okay, that's fine. I mean, we've called them that. You know, it's, yeah, of course. It's, yes, DPS healer tank. Off you go, and it doesn't you know it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it don't work it just there's doesn't... more layers on top yeah which yeah. is which is i'm glad that it that it doesn't work just like yeah. that because that's that's the hope it is yeah so having a whole line of uh seemingly strange warlock creatures and go they can't possibly win no way 
Yeah. Oh wait. Yeah. <laughs> why are they hurting themselves? So- oh, I see. I see. <laughs> That's why. That's why. Because they don't care. They don't care. That's no. Um, it's like I said. It's been a delight having you on, and more than welcome to come back to chat about what your next venture would be, whatever that may be. Yeah. Let's let's stay in touch. And um, uh, thanks so much. Uh, we'll hopefully be back uh, sooner than later. Yeah. Thank you.